Greetings, folks, and welcome to the 33rd edition of Weber's Whipping Post. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you took the time to listen in. This episode is entitled, Using the 14th Amendment to Deny Trump. Today, I'm going to talk about Hunter Biden's sweet deal, nuclear Armageddon, karma strikes again, Joe Burrow's hefty contract, little Lord Fauci, and some other gems before finishing with my latest opinion piece. But first, this episode came to you from the George Ryan Jr. Insurance Group. Everybody needs insurance, so why not buy from the great folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance who supports programs like mine? You can depend on George Ryan Jr. Insurance, so please go ahead and give George a call at 815-936-0075. That's 815-936-0075 or look them up on their website and save on insurance at grinsure.com. Excellent columnist Andrew McCarthy recently penned a very well-written commentary in the New York Post. I'm so jealous he gets published there and I don't. Anyway, he started his column out with the line, never forget, they think we are idiots. Hey, haven't I said something similar on a number of occasions? He made the statement in response to special counsel, and I use that term loosely, David Weiss, claiming by month's end he will indict Hunter Biden. The indictment will be for a felony gun charge. McCarthy points out that this is the same gun charge that Weiss tried to make go away just six weeks ago. He's only making the indictment because George Mary Ellen Noriega didn't go along with their illegal maneuverings, and he's left with no choice. Weiss tried to settle with two misdemeanor tax charges, promising to allow Biden's kid to avoid jail time while hiding the gun charges. The tax charges have been dismissed, so he won't have to pay restitution or do any jail time for them. Weiss sat on the gun charges for five years, hoping the statute of limitations would lapse. As it turned out, Judge Noriega gave him until September 6th to make his case which is why he announced he'd be filing something by the end of the month. Don't hold your breath. Why he has to wait until the end of the month is anybody's guess. McCarthy says the Biden Justice Department hopes we're too dumb to notice. Recently, I was listening to a Newt Gingrich podcast interview with George Beebe. Mr. Beebe, vice president at the Center of National Interest, wrote the book, The Russia Trap, How Our Shadow War with Russia Could Spiral into Nuclear Catastrophe. He formerly worked in government as an intelligence analyst, diplomat, and policy advisor, and special advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney. He was also director of CIA's Russian analysis. He has his bachelor's degree in political science and a master's in foreign affairs. The dude even speaks both Russian and German. I mention his credentials as it pertains to his conversation with Mr. Gingrich, in which they discuss the likelihood of another Cold War at best and a nuclear attack at worst. It got me thinking, I had mentioned in an earlier commentary the likelihood of an ill Putin lobbying nukes in Ukraine if they continue fighting, or if the world continues to back Ukraine. The fact is, there are no clear boundaries to this Ukraine conflict, which is disturbing. If you think about it, during the Cold War, which lasted roughly from 1945 to 1989, the fact both sides had nuclear weapons became a deterrent to any country using them. 
The threat itself became a guideline for diplomacy as no one wanted to hit that proverbial big red button. The Cold War was essentially over with the collapse of the Soviet Union. Mr. Beebe theorizes that new technologies, the disappearance of the rules of the game, and uncleared views by both the U.S. and Russia are combining to lock the two countries into an escalatory spiral they do not recognize. With these pieces in place, another world war might be triggered by an unpredictable event such as a sick Putin. If you think this through, it's an unmistakable sign we need to quit poking Putin and back the hell out of the Ukraine conflict immediately. Joe Biden's payoffs be damned. Or else we need our armed forces to quit focusing on woke issues and commit to becoming the strongest military in the world again. Our other choice is to learn the hard way that which Hiroshima learned back in 1945. Hey, the left-leaning tabloid Political is predicting South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is a strong contender to be Trump's running mate for the 2024 election. Here's the hoping political might be right for a change. Rocker Gary Wright passed away last week of dementia and Parkinson's. He was 80 years old. Formerly in the 60s band Spooky Tooth, he went solo in the 70s with hits Dreamweaver and Love is Alive. I saw him in concert in the summer of 1977 at Soldier Field. Also on that bill was, incredibly, Leonard Skinner, Peter Frampton, and yes, I remember it was hotter than all get out as we sat right on the field. Four months later, Leonard Skinner would suffer the plane crash that killed Ronnie Van Zant, the leader of the band. A lesser-known rocker, Steve Harwell from the band Smash Mouth, has passed away of liver failure. He was only 56. And while I'm on a rock and roll kick, do you know what album has the largest number of sales in history? I was even wrong about this one, as I thought it would be Michael Jackson's Thriller, an album I never owned. The number one selling album of all time is The Eagles' Greatest Hits from 1976 with sales of 38 million albums. Well done, gents. Maybe I should start a weekly section in this podcast for Karma, baby. Last week, I mentioned the San Francisco councilman whose wallet was stolen while he was lecturing to shopkeepers. Well, here's another one for you. Shavanthi Sathanadin, the second vice chairwoman for the Minnesota Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Let's stop the story right here for a second. Second vice chairwoman, really? Does the party have a third and fourth too? Then what about that party name? Democratic Farmer Labor. Sounds suspiciously like a communist party to me. Anyway, back to the karma. Miss Shanathandon was recently carjacked and according to her report, violently and in front of her children. The incident happened outside her home in broad daylight. She claimed to have suffered head injuries, a broken leg, lacerations, bruising, and cuts. She called the police on the perpetrators and was grateful for their involvement. On his face, that would sound like she has a legitimate beef, and you want to feel bad for her. That is until you know the rest of the story. You see, after the George Floyd riots, Seth and Naden supported dismantling the police department. Her exact words on Facebook were, We are going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. Say it with me, dismantle the 
Minneapolis Police Department. As allies, what can we do right now? Listen and learn from our Black siblings, and then amplify this message right now in this moment. MPD has systematically failed the Black community. They have failed all of us. It's time to build a new infrastructure that works for all communities. If you still disagree with the basic fact, I'm not sure what to say to you. I know exactly what to say to you, Mrs. Santanaden. You're a damn hypocrite. About once a month, we hear what pro athlete is now the highest paid in the history of whatever sport that individual plays. This week is Joe Burrow, quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. He just signed a deal for $275 million over five years with $219.5 million guaranteed. Actually, he still is owed $41 million for his first contract, so this extension will give him an eye-popping $316 million. That's $2,655,000 per game. I hate it when people say they are happy about these kinds of salaries. The fans pay for those salaries, not the wealthy owners that people think the player is sticking into. The owner and the NFL are just going to spread that money over their products, jacking up the prices to go to the games. As those prices rise, everything else connected with the event goes up. Parking, hot dogs, beer, pot, jerseys. We pay for it all, folks. The only way to stop this badness is to stop going to the games and buying their merchandise, or soon we will be hearing from the first billion-dollar player. Well, we finally have the name and release date of a new Rolling Stones album, the first new material from the aging rockers in 18 years. Called Hackney Diamonds, it will be released on October the 20th. A single called Angry is out already. I found it on both Spotify and YouTube. The song is good, the video is hot, with an actress named Sydney Sweeney. You might want to check it out. Not bad for a bunch of octogenarians. I have the album on pre-order myself. Speaking of octogenarians, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has announced she is going to run yet again in 2024 for her 20th term to the House of Representatives. She will be 85 when she runs, and assuming she'll win, she will be 87 when that term is up. She has been in the House for 35 years. Pelosi misrepresents the 11th Congressional District in California, which includes San Francisco. In a tweet on X, she actually said, Now more than ever, our country needs us to advance San Francisco values. No, Nancy, this country does not need the values of that cesspool of a city, nor do we need any more of your political chicanery. Little Lord Fauci has been rolled out from his cave by the deep state to warn us all that we might need to go back to wearing paper face diapers again due to a seasonal uptick in COVID cases. He said, and I quote, I am concerned that people will not abide by masking recommendations. What's next, you crooked little son of a bitch? You going to advocate shutting down our economy again and taking another year of childhood education from our kids? You going to try to scare people into voting Democrat again? Had you not funded the Wuhan lab for gain of function, we'd never have had this problem. Fox News interviewed Dr. Brett Osborne, a board-certified neurosurgeon in West Palm Beach, Florida, 
who is also the founder of a preventative health care and anti-aging facility. Wait, an anti-aging facility in West Palm? Business must be pretty good there. Anyway, Osborne stated, masks may offer a low level of protection for individuals who consistently wear them, although this is supported by only two randomized controlled trials to date. So Fauci is going to roll masks out again, even though there has been a whopping two studies? Osborne further stated, regardless of mask usage, the population in mass will be exposed to SARS-CoV-2 and its variants, as is the case with the flu. Dr. Shanna Johnson told Fox News, masking mandates disproportionately affect and disrupt the education of children, especially those with autism. Further, she said, in my experience, schools have had a very black and white policy when under mask mandates. That last statement, I think, was code for the ridiculous stance taken by the teachers' union to homeschool children while teachers get paid time as they sit on the beach. Said Dr. John Ayers of the Infectious Diseases and Global Public Health at the University of California, San Diego, Fauci's claims about masking policies, which includes reusable cloth masks and surgical masks, will not reduce the spread of COVID-19. He said further, the NIAID and Fauci did not fund any trials on community masking despite a substantial budget. It really doesn't make sense that we did no trials. When it came to masking, we refused to gather robust evidence to support or discourage the use. Kudos to House Republican from Michigan, John James, for having the good sense and the spine to introduce a resolution to impose age limits of federal elected officials. His bill, which doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of passing, establishes a limit of 75 years of age. James said, the world's not getting slower, it's getting faster. The world's not getting safer, it's getting more dangerous. The world's not getting any younger. He also stated, our founders didn't intend for these to be lifetime appointments in the legislature. They didn't intend for legislators to die in office or to get doggone close. They didn't intend for a politician to line their pockets to gain decades of seniority and get to be millionaires in office either. The resolution is just part of a larger government accountability package James is pushing. It also asked Congress to consider a constitutional amendment to limit service in Congress to 18 years and to prohibit Congress from being paid during shutdowns. I wonder if Representative James is aware he is poking some very powerful and corrupt people. That might not be good for his long-term health. Speaking of representatives, according to Representative Claudia Tenney, a Republican from New York, she told Newsmax an impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden is definitely on the table sometime this fall. She also claimed the votes will be there when it happens. She then pointed out that Representative James Comer of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee is lamenting the mainstream media is not covering matters concerning the Biden crime syndicate. You know, I might have an issue with the House impeaching Biden, given what is standing there right after him. Do we really even want to consider Giggles Harris to become president of the U.S. of A? If Russia or China didn't nuke us at worst, 
a Harris presidency would set women back 100 years from ever having chance to be president. As I've said in my columns and podcasts before, they really need to slow walk a Biden impeachment and be content for now with just throwing Hunter's ass in prison. I have some good news for you, unless you are a John Kerry sympathizer. The winter rain and snow in California put an end to their three-year drought, and the ensuing summer heat did not, I repeat, did not start a new drought. Climate alarmists are not going to like this one bit. In the first quarter of the year, officials dismissed the idea that the excess precipitation was going to end the drought. They said the underground aquifers and lakes would need to be replenished. Well, they were replenished. Then in April, those same same naysayers warned that the climate change weather patterns were going to cause another drought. Imagine their disappointment when that didn't happen either. Hurricane Hillary, for example, allowed Los Angeles to collect around 3.2 billion gallons of water, a year's worth to 40,000 households. It is thought all this excess moisture may even hold back some of the wildfires. Sucks to be you, you climate alarmists. And this podcast is brought to you by Jeff and Brandon Chero at Court Street Ford, now in their 40th year of service in the Kankakee County area. Stop by their showroom at 558 William Latham Drive in Bourbon A and check out that amazing GT in the showroom. You can save up to $6,000 on a selection of Ford 150 pickups. Core Street Ford is open from Monday through Saturday, offering new car and truck sales, pre-owned autos, and vehicle servicing. You can call them at 815-348-7024 or check out their website at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. And now for my column, using the 14th Amendment to deny Trump. The newest ploy by the swamp may be more sinister than what we've seen to date. Not content with allowing the court system to work even with shady characters like Jack Smith. Not content with leaving our representation to voters, now there is another group coming after Donald Trump. This is despite his commanding lead in the polls. The Microsoft page is running a story from a website called She Finds. Their headline is, Election officials in three states are preparing to disqualify Trump from running for president in 2024. Of course, along with the story is an unflattering picture of Trump with a bewildered look on his face. This is par for the course with the Microsoft page, as it usually full of unflattering pictures and negative headlines about Trump. She Finds is a website for women. Their mission statement states it's a destination where women are inspired to treat themselves. They are committed to making women feel good with fun, approachable editorial coverage of fashion and beauty news and style tips. The website claims election officials in three states are examining the 14th Amendment to keep Trump off the ballot. The 14th Amendment, Section 3, states an elected official cannot assume public office if they engage in insurrection or rebellion against the United States unless the official in question is granted amnesty by a two-thirds vote of Congress. Seems to me these three states might have their cart before their horse. Using the 14th Amendment would require a large leap of faith that Trump was culpable in the January 6th protest, a charge nobody has been able to hang on him. 
nor has Congress voted on the matter. They quote opinions from two Federalist Society members, William Baud and Michael Paulson, who are parroting arguments by retired Judge Michael Ludig and law professor Lawrence Tribe. They published the arguments in the liberal rag, The Atlantic. I contend that Trump might need to be convicted of insurrection first. In this country, we are presumed innocent until proven guilty. She finds, clearly feels, because Baud, Paulson, Ludig, and Tribe think Trump guilty, it must be true. Well, I looked these supposed legal scholars up. As I surmised, they all have their thumbs on the scale of justice. Baud is a Biden appointee to the Presidential Commission of the Supreme Court. I wonder who he voted for. Ball one. Paulson is professor, speaker, and a member of the Federalist Society. The Federalist Society does not believe the 2020 election was stolen, and anyone that does should be distanced from conservative groups. This would appear to be the reason they would like to exclude Trump from the ballot regardless of what Americans want. Fall 2. Ludwig is a retired federal judge in the Fourth Circuit in Richmond, Virginia, encompassing an area from Maryland to eastern North Carolina. This would include Washington, D.C., prime swamp real estate. Nearly everyone within that district hates Trump. Ludwig is a George W. Bush appointee that would be the same Bush that despises Trump. He left the judge position to become a senior vice president of Boeing, where his last salary in 2015 was $4,236,580. He resigned when the Boeing 737s were grounded. Ball three. The 81-year-old tribe has all kinds of fancy law titles the academic world prides themselves in and of which are useless in the real world. He boasts former law students Barack Obama, Merrick Garland, Elena Kagan, Adam Schiff, and Jamie Raskin, a virtual who's who of Trump enemies. Schiff and Raskin were both lead managers in the failed Trump impeachments. Ball four. She finds feels these men lend credibility to enacting the Fourth Amendment against Trump. Would you believe I find these four men's credentials give Trump a definite clearance? Given what I dug up on the four, it appears she finds she'd go back to making women feel good and leave politics to hell alone. They should have realized if something is published by The Atlantic, it's going to be about as credible as another Dr. Fauci statement. Evidently, the states of Arizona, Georgia, Maine, Michigan, Nevada, New Hampshire, and Pennsylvania have been discussing Trump's viability on the ballot for over a year. This, according to the Democrat Michigan Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. They're studying it and we need to be made aware of it, the liberal Democrats stated. Oh, really, a bunch of liberal Democrats are considering whether we, the great unwashed, have the right to vote for our candidate of choice. Awful considerate of you, Ms. Benson. Reminds me of two wolves and a chicken voting on what's for dinner. Incidentally, there has been a movement started on X, used to be Twitter, for a write-in campaign. Should the swamp be successful at illegally removing Trump from the ballot. Keep the writing campaign option in mind with this latest deep state ploy. Begs the question, though, why are they all so afraid of Trump? 
That's all I got, folks. If you like this podcast, please tell others. Check out my blog at www.weberswhippingpost.com or toss me an email at aweber1957 at gmail.com. Thanks a million for listening. Bye now.